Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where, after having watched Doctor Who, I tell you all about it. Yes, you do. Uh, And it's time once more for some more Doctor's Watcher. I feel like it's been a little bit now since we recorded last. Um, And to slightly start to jump into it a bit, we wrapped up a serial last time, so I've been wondering what's coming up next. Indeed. Um, Yeah, it has been a little bit, though. I... I did want to mention that I was doing the final edit of an episode earlier this week, uh, episode 35, I believe, or 34, I guess. And in that episode, we talked, or we kind of joked a little bit about how if we ever, like, earned a bunch of income from this podcast, then we might quit our jobs and, like, switch to a weekly schedule instead of twice a week or every two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did want to like I did want to address that a little bit and just say that like you know joking aside we generally don't really ask you to give us your money here on the doctor's watcher and no no we I, I think we'd honestly be kind of embarrassed if anyone ever actually tried yeah <laughs> and you know really I would say that like if you really want us to go to a once a week schedule then the best thing I would say to do that would be, if you're an American listener at least, to talk to your political representatives and urge them to implement a universal basic income policy. That's right, folks. If you want more episodes of The Doctor's Watcher, all you have to do is get your representatives to completely overhaul our economic system. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Instead of you listeners paying Benny and I, let's just get our government to pay everybody. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds, you know, <laughs> sounds wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're both we're both fans of the uh, the concept of universal basic income, um, and whether you know it's about producing more podcast episodes or just eliminating some of the massive disparity that we have in our country, um, seems seems like a pretty good idea. And hey, maybe we can do both. <laughs> I think we can probably manage both. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one, one I would say is more important than the other. <laughs> but clearly. I mean, it's going to take us like 30 years to get through Doctor Who otherwise. I've been waiting for uh, some of our, our, our politicians to mention it. Uh, for some reason, Biden left it out of his speech. I, it, it was implied, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, to to actually get into things, this is the 37th episode of the first season. It's titled A Land of Fear. And Mm -hmm. Benny mentioned a few minutes ago that this is a new serial. And as with most new serials, we do have a new writer, which is a guy named Dennis Spooner. 
And he actually wrote a few serials for Doctor Who, although this cool. is the cool. first one. Dennis. Dennis, welcome to Doctor Who. Welcome, Dennis. Uh, Dennis is actually going to go on to become script editor later, which oh. I think is basically... Up in the world. Yeah. I think that's yeah. basically like <laughs> boss of the writer's room. Okay, yeah, yeah, moving up. Uh, yeah, I think that's like... You know, these days we kind of use the unofficial term of showrunner, but I'm pretty sure script editor back in the day was like not quite the same thing, but similar. Oh, cool. Well, good for, good for Dennis. So, yeah, I guess that's in the future, though. Our current script editor is a guy named David Whitaker. Okay, cool. But Dennis, Dennis wrote this serial. Cool, cool, cool. And um, yeah, let's let's see how good how good a job Dennis did. <laughs> Indeed, uh, as we start learning about Dennis's story, Benny, do you recall where our previous serial author left us? Uh, what was his name? Peter, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was his his magnum opus, as we right. as we remember. And so, I mean, if Dennis went on to write more Doctor Who, clearly this this serial is not going to be as good as the Censorites. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't his like crowning achievement after which he couldn't produce any more any more scripts. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the I guess it wasn't really a cliffhanger, but the the end of the last serial, um, I remember it well because well. Not just because it was kind of annoying to me, but also because I had finished um, doing the the initial pass edit of the, <laughs> that episode. But after the censorite stuff had just wrapped up, the doctor was talking to Susan, and he was talking about how you know, oh, our our TARDIS does take us around wherever it goes because we can't really direct it very well, and kind of with this sweet old man twinkle in his eye or something like well we we just sort of go where the whims of the tardis takes us on this little journey of ours and everything seemed chill and great until they were watching the earth astronauts leaving and ian made the innocent comment well at least they seem to know where they're going and at which point the that twinkle immediately leaves the eye of the doctor <laughs> and he, he goes like, what are you, are you, are you implying that I don't know where I'm going? Well, my dear boy, <laughs> I'll just leave you on the next planet we visit. And I don't care if it's, you know, an exploding lava world, you'll just have to explode and I won't change my mind. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yep. And then it was like next time. And it gave us, you know, the, the end of the episode thing. Land of Fear, which I would imagine is not necessarily the best place to be kicked out of the TARDIS in. Yeah, Ian's just sort of like looking at the map and the doctor's like, so where's that next exit take us? And Ian's like, we got plenty of gas left in the tank. Let's just go a little bit further. (laughs) (laughs) So at the start of this episode, they, you know, we see the cliff dangler as usual, but then the first new bit takes place in a forest and in this forest, we see two people wearing dark cloaks run past the cameras, and they're looking around suspiciously. Nice. I'm already excited about this. Oh, and you say people. Are we talking humans? Yeah, humans. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. So, yeah, they run past, and then after they've left the scene, 
the TARDIS materializes. Cool. Yeah, because I guess that uh, following the pattern of... We, we usually seem to get, like, one uh, historical serial followed by one sci-fi, historical sci-fi, right. sci-fi. Then after the Sensorites, uh, I would assume, if we're still following that pattern, that we might get another historical one. Right. Yeah, so it, it seems like that could be the case because we do have humans here. Uh, I do want to mention that the TARDIS materializing is, in fact, not our favorite tiny tot TARDIS. No. I read on the TARDIS fandom page that this is the first time in Doctor Who that they did the materialization effect with their full-size TARDIS model. Well, I hope we still get to see the tiny tot TARDIS at some point. Yeah, I hope it'll be back. So they arrive. The doctor's like, all right, we're here. Go ahead and GTFO. (laughs) Of course. Uh Uh-huh. Susan is upset. She doesn't want Ian and Barbara to leave. But Barbara's like... Susan, we visited many places together. Had lots of adventures. But you always knew we intended to return home when we could. Uh, So she's assuming that they're home? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So... Susan gives him both a hug and rushes out of the control room. And the doctor kind of turns around and he's like, Still here? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> what, what a guy, that doctor. Also, I didn't realize that um, when he was going to kick Ian off the TARDIS, that, that included Barbara as well. Yeah, that wasn't really clear last time. I'm not... sure if he's kicking Barbara off or if she's just voluntarily leaving with Ian. I guess it would be sort of weird if if she kept going after Ian was gone. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, Doctor asks him about, you know, still here, and Ian's like, Yes, we're waiting for you to carry out the checks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude, (laughs) what can you tell us about that radiation? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. The doctor says he doesn't need to because they're definitely on Earth. And he turns on the, t- the scanner, which shows them some pictures of forests okay. as well as some cultivated fields and shit. Okay, I was going to say, just being on Earth is not always the most helpful thing. It's like, here we are in the middle of Death Valley. <laughs> nice walk. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, there are cultivated fields. Barbara comments on, like, how dark everything seems in the scanner. And, you know, there's not much not much lighting around. And she says that it kind of, it kind of reminds her of this vacation she took to Somerset once. And the doctor's like, oh, well, we're probably in Somerset then. <laughs> I mean, you don't know that we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Ian, you know, Ian really wants the doctor to, like, actually come outside of the TARDIS and, like, check things out with them. Yeah. I don't blame him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> rightly so. He's like, Maybe you have succeeded. Maybe we are where you say we are. But I remember an occasion when you took us home once before. And Barbara adds, Yes, we met Marco Entirely different circumstances. I'm pretty sure he wasn't uh, our next-door neighbor back when we were still school teachers on Earth. <laughs> uh-huh. Doctor's just like, fuck you both, that was different. I'm totally in control of this craft. It only kind of fucks up a little bit. 
Yes, we're we're definitely on Earth, and does the time period really matter? I mean, it's the same planet. <laughs> it's basically the same uh, thing. Ian and Barbara basically start sweet talking him, and you know, like play up all the important science he has to do, and you know, he might be too busy to ever come visit them again. This might be like the last time they ever see him. So Ian basically asks if you know, shouldn't we like? And things on a more friendly note, let's go out for a drink or something. And the doctor does actually end up agreeing to see them off. Okay. So he calls Susan to bring his stick, his walking stick, and the four of them head out of the TARDIS. Well, I think they know how to treat the doctor. <laughs> Kill him with kindness and or appeal yeah. as you go. <laughs> the first things they notice when they're outside are that there are crops and fields around. So probably that means that there's like a manor or farmhouse nearby. Mm -hmm. It's quite warm, so it's probably summertime. Okay. And it's getting to be dusk or evening, but they can't see any lights. Mm. You know, there's not like a city halo or, you know, light from a city or whatever on the horizon. There's no lights. Must be the Dark Ages. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that we're actually going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> they hear a noise and they see some movement in the bushes. And so Ian kind of goes into the bushes off camera and comes back a few moments later with a boy. I would say that grabbed some kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say that this is this kid is like what I don't know Charles Dickens or Arthur Conan Doyle might call an urchin. <laughs> nice, but, very descriptive word. But I think that implies a certain urban quality, mm -hmm. and they're definitely in a rural setting here. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. Can urchins be rural? Guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, and I started calling him a farm urchin, basically. Yes. You know, he's he's definitely wearing the dirty and torn clothing. So, Listeners, tweet at us with hashtag farm urchin if you think urchins can come from farms. Or <laughs> hashtag gotta be city urchins if you think urchins have to live in cities. Indeed, we'll, we'll present the results at some point, if we remember. <laughs> Even a single person uses these hashtags. Uh -huh. <laughs> so the doctor starts hurling questions at Farmer Jen, who seems very scared. Barbara assures him that they're not going to hurt him. They just need a little bit of help because they're kind of lost. Okay, yeah. She's like... Uh, this is England, right? And farm merchants like, no, dipshit, it's France. They're only like about 12 kilometers from Paris, though. Oh, I thought he was being sarcastic for a second. <laughs> it's France, but you're speaking English. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, no, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's odd because he is actually speaking English. And but does he have a hilarious French accent? Uh, no, I think pretty much everybody in this serial had English accents. Uh, all right. Yeah. 
uh, I think eventually in the future we'll learn about how the TARDIS like installs a universal translator in your brain, but oh. but we don't know that yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, in any case, they are actually in France. They're about 12 kilometers from Paris. And the doctor's pretty pleased with this news. He says, Paris, eh? Mm. A hundred miles or so either way is to be expected. After all, it's only a fraction of the distance we've covered. It's quite accurate, in fact. So, yeah, I thought that was a pretty fair point. Like, who knows where the fuck the sense sphere is, but to have come from, like, halfway across the galaxy back to earth and land near Paris when shooting for England. Like it's not perfect, but it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. And Ian's like, assuming the distance is our only error. Mm -hmm. They start to question farm urchin again, but he just kind of like shoves Ian aside and runs back off into the woods. Susan's like, I don't know why he was so afraid, but no one else really Seems that concerned. <laughs> oh, you know, kids these days. Just weird. <laughs> uh-huh. We see the farmer and run to a nearby farmhouse where someone inside opens the door for him and lets him in. Back in the woods, the doctor sees a farmhouse in the distance and he points it out to the rest of them. It's pretty old and decrepit looking. Barbara thinks it looks deserted. I was not really sure if it was the same house that Farm Urchin went to, because we didn't get to see Farm Urchin's house from a distance. We only saw it more close up. Uh-huh. But as Susan and the doctor kind of go a little bit ahead and Barbara and Ian stay behind to talk to each other for a minute, Barbara confirms with Ian that she thinks they're probably in the past. Ian's like, Yes. Well, we were a hundred miles out. Perhaps we were a hundred years out as oh, well. Oh, rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I guess it kind of does make sense. Ian wants to go back to the TARDIS, but the doctor's like, Nonsense. It's your idea to explore anyway. Besides, that might be very interesting. What will do us good? I like how the doctor's already forgotten all about, like, leaving them behind. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, that's that was five minutes ago. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah, just intriguing things to do. Ian and Barbara talk for a minute longer. You know, it's clear that they're not actually home. Still, I do think he tried this time, even if it was out of bad temper. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's very kind of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Barbara wonders if Ian's disappointed to not be home, and Ian says... Funny enough, no. I don't know. Depends where we are. I still could be. Hmm. I think he's uh, he's enjoying this adventure through time and space. Uh-huh. We don't get to hear what Barbara thinks, though, about not being home, because Susan calls for the two of them, and they head off to join her and her grandfather. They get to this seemingly abandoned farmhouse, and it, it, you know, even up close, it still looks uninhabited and the door is unlocked. So Ian and the doctor both head inside. Uh, sure, just go into some random person's house. <laughs> uh huh. They find a couple of like super fancy candlesticks on the table, 
like much nicer than you would expect at this farmhouse. Mm. The doctor lights them both so they can have some light and immediately decides that it's time to split the party. Well, that didn't take long. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I guess he was trying to permanently split the party earlier, but... Uh, That's true. just normal type. Right, yeah, this is just normal party splitting here. Mm-hmm. He goes upstairs to search the upstairs and leaves Ian to search the downstairs. Barbara and Susan have also entered the building by now, and so they've joined Ian, and the three of them together search the downstairs. And they find... Lots of interesting items here in this farmhouse. Well, you gotta, you know, click on every box and chest and cupboard in the uh, uh-huh. the building. So yeah, after after clicking on everything, they press I to access their inventory mm-hmm. and see what they have. They have several items of 18th century clothing. In several different sizes. (laughs) Very convenient. (laughs) They have some, like, tied-up, sort of, like, hand-prepackaged bundles that contain... They each contain a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread. Nice. Fun. Little Uh little, uh, mini picnic. Bread's a little bit old and stale, but still good. Mm -hmm. Nice. They have... Some maps and daggers. <laughs> sure, why not? And uh, they have some official-looking documents, which are undated, with the name left blank. Hmm. Yes, it sounds like we're definitely at the start of a a new RPG campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Ian is like thinking about all their new inventory items, and he manages to realize where they are or like what sort of a farmhouse this is this is a stopping off place a link it's some escape chain mm-hmm. i wonder what people are trying to escape in 18th century france uh-huh barbara notices that these official looking documents they found are signed by robespierre <laughs> listeners you knew <laughs> <laughs> and of course that's when ian figures out when they are mm-hmm Now, wait a minute. The doctors put us down right in the middle of the French Revolution. Of course. (laughs) Barbara adds... Yes. The reign of terror. You can tell she's a history teacher. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, share your thoughts, or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. So you know how, like, back in the days when people used to go to movie theaters... There would be sometimes movie theaters would do like this whole kind of like audience reactive thing with Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's actually kind of dangerous to watch this episode with large groups of Doctor Who fans, because when Barbara says, 
yes, the reign of terror. People like to set off fireworks in the theater because even though this episode is titled A Land of Fear, the unofficial name for the whole serial is The Reign of Terror. Uh, okay. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot, Kyle. <laughs> and I, I assume confetti gets thrown at these theaters where people are watching these classic episodes of Doctor Who? Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, of course, you know, that's the fire hazard with all those uh, fireworks going off to be thrown right. all that confetti around. Yeah, like it's it's really kind of remarkable that any theater was able to get away with it, but yeah, just take a word for it, listeners. <laughs> this is definitely a thing that happens. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're not cool enough to have been invited to one of these. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the farmhouse in the upstairs, the doctor looks around briefly. And then gets hit from behind and falls unconscious. I, I feel like, I don't know, we, we, we should compare um, Doctor Who characters with Tintin when it comes to suddenly being hit from behind and, and uh, possibly like kidnapped or taken prisoner. <laughs> yeah. Because it seems to happen fairly often. Maybe not as often as it happens to Tintin, but it's fairly <laughs> often. Back downstairs... Our heroes have decided that, like, there's all this 18th century clothing. They might as well go ahead and do some 18th century cosplay. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Barbara's like, How do I look? And Ian says, oh, Very pretty, mademoiselle. Eston's a bit modern, but it's all right. Aw, he thinks she's pretty. Uh-huh. He says, well, It's a good idea to change into these clothes. We won't look so conspicuous when we go back to the ship. Uh, Susan adds, we might not get back to the ship if Grandfather hears we're in the Reign of Terror. Why not? It's his favorite period in the history of Earth. Ha, ha. Well, I guess that tells us something about the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Huge terror, Stan. Mm-hmm. Ian decides that it's taking the Doctor long enough to check out the upstairs. So, you know, he wants to head upstairs and see what's going on. But as he turns to do that, two men enter the room with guns trained on our heroes. Yes. One of these guys, whose name we shortly learn is Donjonson, and Whoa. I apologize for my horrible French. <laughs> I won't <even> <laughs> He clearly has the fear veil in his brain stuck in the open position. <laughs> yes. Nice sensorite reference there. Yeah. He could, he could really do with some sensorite head electrodes to get that fear veil closed again. Couldn't we all? He thinks that he and his buddy Rouvre should just kill our heroes. So these two French guys can get on with whatever it is they're doing. But sure. Rouvray, why not? Yeah. Uh huh. Like, like guy, he he has a straightforward approach, and he's not afraid to get things done. <laughs> well, he's he's very afraid, but he still wants to get things done. Yes, yes, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> Rouvray's like, and eh, no, I kind of like to actually ask him some questions. 
Yeah, you know, these like old fashioned guns that we have, it takes such a long time to load. It's just one right. shot. I mean, come on. And there's three of them, and you'd have to, like, you know, one of them would be still there, and it's so awkward after you just shot <laughs> two of their friends to be just kind of hanging out for a minute while you reload. <laughs> this whole big thing. Uh huh. He says, Patience, Dajanson. Even in these troubled times, our visitors have the right of an explanation, even if our enemies do not accord such privileges. Hmm. I like this guy. Yeah, he seems cool. They both seem cool in their own ways. <laughs> he wonders who our protagonists are, and Barbara says that they're travelers. And he asks if they're traveling alone, and she's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Darjan's son's like, see, they're fucking liars. That depends. Have you seen an old man recently? <laughs> <laughs> is like, yeah, we already found your old upstairs. We didn't kill uh, her or anything, but yeah. like, <laughs> clearly you're lying. We, we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> he says, in France now, there are only two sides. You're either with us or against us. Our sympathies are obvious. We want to know yours. Barbara's like, no, seriously, we're travelers. We're not from here. We don't have a side. Rivray actually kind of considers this for a moment, and he tells them, A word of warning. If you intend to stay in France, you will have to choose. Mm. Dajasson still wants to kill them or something. <laughs> But Rouvray is like, We are to escape from France. We must have faith. If all people are incapable of our trust, we shall take the tenor with us. Mm. So yeah, he's actually like trying to form a better world here. Or at least a less shitty one, which I can get behind. Absolutely. About this time, we hear soldiers arrive outside the farmhouse. Gasp. Darjanson really starts flipping out at this point. You know, if if his fear veil was only, like, partially opened before, now it's, like, you know, slammed up to the top. Oh, yeah, I mean, that, that fear veil is not veiling anything. Mm-hmm. He really does not want to be guillotined, which is apparently what happened to the rest of his family. Oh, bummer. Which, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Rouvray is like, well, maybe if you shut the fuck up, the soldiers outside won't hear us. But soldiers are already coming. Rouvray hands Ian a pistol. That was fast. Uh -huh. well, I guess if we're not going to be shooting you, here, have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, outside the house, the leader of the soldiers decides that, you know, it's been a long day today. We're all pretty tired. So instead of, like, actively searching the house, let's just surround it, and then we'll all just, like, sit around and chill out and wait for anyone inside to come out. Oh, okay. Well, I thought they were going to, like, maybe even try to burn it down or something. But, yeah, chilling is, uh, in this situation, <laughs> much preferable. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, he At says. For our heroes. If they are in there, we can let them suffer the waiting. <laughs> While we also wait, we won't be suffering. Because it's a nice right. day out here. Yeah, it's nice. We've got some wine and cheese. Oh, okay. Well, 
Our heroes only have wine. They don't have any cheese. <laughs> Inside the house, time is passing. Ian and Rouvray are standing ground chatting with each other while Darjanson is just kind of like standing off to the side with this horrified expression on his face. If we weren't like clearly in the past, then I would wonder if he was a space zombie at this point. Well, you know, you're going to have past zombies. That's true. Reign of terror zombies, which would actually be like rad as hell. That would be pretty rad. I'd read that comic book. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe that's why, that's why they had to guillotine all those people because uh, <laughs> they're zombies. Yeah, you chop the head off. Like, that's going to be pretty, pretty sure. That's that's uh, it suddenly it all makes sense. So while they're waiting the soldiers out, Ian does get a chance to head upstairs and look for the doctor. We, the camera doesn't follow, and we just see him like head towards the upstairs, and. Darjanasan chooses this moment to allow his fear to fully overtake him, and he runs outside. Wow, where yeah, that half-assed plan of the soldiers outside totally <laughs> It actually works. He runs out, and then he just kind of, like, stands there while these soldiers all point their muskets at him. Rouvray, inside the house, like, rolls his eyes and follows Darjanasan out. Oh, that Darjan son, he's up to it again. (laughs) (laughs) Rouvray goes and stands in front of Darjan son, and he basically orders the soldiers to stand down. And the soldiers are all like, oh, okay. The guy in charge of the soldiers is like, So, Rouvray, your voice still carries authority. Even to my soldiers. I guess Rouvray. Interesting. Yeah, like, is a former soldier, I, I'm presuming. Yeah, like an officer, maybe? Yeah. He does definitely have the officer voice when he gives these orders. He turns to a nearby soldier and orders this guy to give him his musket, which the soldier does. And. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. Rouvray just, like, tosses it to the side. He doesn't even want it. He just tosses it to the ground. He's like, I just wanted to see if he'd give it to me. <laughs> uh-huh. He says, You can give them uniforms, Lieutenant, but the remain peasants underneath. Hmm. The camera at also, this point... Yeah, kind of elitist. Uh-huh. <laughs> as much as it's kind of a badass line, it's also super elitist. Yeah, the camera cuts over to this other soldier who's, you know basically has the same thought and fires his musket. And we then cut back to Rouvray, who clutches his chest and dies. Oh, bummer. Yeah, he got shot. R.I.P. We barely knew him. Darjanson is like, oh shit. (laughs) And he tries to run off. (laughs) But soldiers quickly grab him. And we then see the lieutenant of the soldiers checking Rouvray's body, saying, A desperate attempt, and it very nearly worked. And we hear another gunshot and laughter off screen. (laughs) As the soldiers presumably kill Darjanson. Oh, dang. 
that got real dark. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. Like, yeah, we get these two new characters introduced, and they're both dead in, like, 15 minutes of screen time. And the bad guys are, like, laughing about it. Yeah. And the bad guys are people, and they're killing people. Yeah, it's been a bit since we've had, like, that sort of thing in Doctor Who. I guess we did have a couple human bad guys in the Keys of Marinus. I mean, presumably but human. I don't think we ever... That's true. Yeah, we never actually confirmed that. Meanwhile, Ian is upstairs looking for the doctor, who the camera has shown us is still unconscious. But before Ian finds him, he hears Susan scream. And so he rushes back downstairs where soldiers are waiting. A soldier grabs Ian's pistol and takes it away from him. Dang. And yeah, this guy orders his subordinate to shoot them if they say anything. And well, I guess he is Ian person of action. You have to take it, you know, you can't take your chances. Yeah, that's true. Gotta, gotta be careful. So the three of them, Barbara, Susan and Ian get, marched outside and they get lined up against the wall and yikes there is a firing squad there all ready to go but the lieutenant stops them saying that they should take them to paris he says that they've already got the men that they specifically came for and he's basically concerned that like they won't get the extra credit and the bonus for like capturing extra enemies if they can't show their work. <laughs> and besides, he adds, why should we do what Madame Guillotine can do so much better? Hmm, we got the guillotine. Yep. So they march them off. As they leave, though, a few of the soldiers decide that it'd be fun to burn the house down. <laughs> so they light a few torches and, like, toss them into hayloft[s] and shit. Like y'all, y'all could have done that when you were waiting, you know, for the people inside that you'd been sent to get, <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, never mind. Like it's still pretty chill to like sit around while the house burns down. Yeah, get your marshmallows out. Yeah. Inside the house, the doctor has finally managed to regain consciousness. You know, it took him several saving throws, but eventually he rolled well enough. I mean, his constitution score is pretty low. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, he sits up and finds himself in a smoke-filled room with a locked door and no one else around able to hear his cries for help. Mm -hmm. Ian and Barbara and Susan are all being marched away down the road. And, you know, Barbara sees the house. She turns back around and like sees that the house has gone up in flames and all the soldiers start laughing. These guys are, I don't like their sense of humor. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Susan wonders. What about grandfather? And Barbara's just like, 
Ja. Ian adds. I hope so for all our sakes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. As they are forced to continue their march down the road, the cameraman lingers behind for a minute to make sure that we, the home viewers, all see that Farm Urchin sees that the house is on fire. Do something, Farm Urchin. <laughs> Use your urchinly skills. Uh-huh. The Farm Urchin's like, I can't. My my build is not designed for, for farms. <laughs> <laughs> All my class-specific abilities require me to be in a city. I don't know why I chose this class. <laughs> why is the farm background even offered for the urchin class? <laughs> Inside the house, the doctor continues banging on the locked door and calling for help. And after a minute, he falls to his knees and then makes another shitty roll and passes out again. Presumably, like, I'm guessing from smoke inhalation this time. Yeah. The camera cuts back to the exterior of the house where we see a big portion of the roof collapse and the camera pans up slightly until we just see the dark night sky with flames from the house looking at the bottom of the screen. So I'm going to go ahead and assume this is a model that they laid on fire. You know, I'm not actually sure. I'd have to watch again. Okay. Well, maybe it's a model. I guess based on the size of the flames that I saw, probably it was a model, but yeah, it was a pretty good one if it was. Cool. And, you know, I I wouldn't be completely surprised to learn that they did, like, burn down an old farmhouse for it. Well, maybe they got one for cheap. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we see the camera pan up, and we just see the dark night sky and flames, and then the titles... Next episode, guests of Madame Guillotine appear. Nice. Nice. That that oh man. That could be that could be an album. Yeah, that totally. A, that could be a video game. That could... <laughs> I don't know. That's that's good stuff right there. So there was a, a pretty cool thing that happened here. Usually, at the end of the episode, we just fade to black. And, you know, we see the end credits scroll on a black screen or a black background. But this time the burning fire continued like pretty far into the end credits. Nice. It did eventually fade out, but like probably at least the first half of the end credits had like the fire going in the background instead of just a black screen. Oh, I dig that. That is very cool. Yeah. This was, I thought a a pretty cool ending to the episode, Uh, you know, with the visual of the fire and like, the roof of the house collapsing and everything, and the doctor's like re unconscious. So mm-hmm. it's probably like one of our most dingly cliff danglers we've had. <laughs> yeah, this one might take them six minutes to resolve it in the uh, <laughs> next episode. <laughs> uh-huh. 
like I'm calling it now, the doctor just basically gets back up and stumbles out of the house. <laughs> or maybe Farm Merchant comes and, and helps out. Yeah, we, we saw Farm Merchant, but then it never followed up. So, Or Farm Merchant goes and gets somebody, and then they go and get the doctor out of the burning house. But yeah, this one may take him all of six, maybe even six and a half minutes to resolve into the next episode. <laughs> But yeah, guests of Madame Guillotine. I definitely think this that this is one of the probably one of the best episode titles we've had this season. Yeah. Hella cool, hella cool. Really into looking it. forward to that one. Um, yeah. So, so one thing I was thinking about the the scene where they say, "Are we in England?" and the kids like, "You're in France." Is um, and I. I assume that they're just trying not to draw too much attention to how everyone can speak to the people wherever they end up each time because they haven't quite figured out the universal translator thing. But, right. Like, I, I do think it would have been interesting if the kid had, would have been like, uh, you're speaking French right now? Uh, that, yeah, that would have been, been cool. Like, oh, we are? Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. And But then maybe they would have had to then actually explain it. Explain it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this was still well within the era of TV where we just weren't meant to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting that, you know, you said that they, uh, they don't have hilarious French accents and it's this ongoing debate that I have with my partner of like in shows like this, um, where a character is speaking English for the audience but really they're supposed to be speaking another language like whether they should have an accent because like well in mm-hmm. their language you know when they're speaking their native language they don't have they an don't accent. It's, right. that's just their their language um but then it's like but do they have an accent and it is just the the accent of the average speaker of that language speaking that language is that an accent and when you translate that into english does that become just speaking English with the accent of that language or with no accent? So. Right. You know, several months ago, I watched the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. And I have mean to check that out. Yeah, it was quite interesting. And I guess the production company that made it, or like it was made by kind of a joint team of Americans and English people and i think it was made in england and but you know all the characters of course are russians and they you know it takes place in russia obviously but the producers like made the conscious decision that they were not going to all speak with russian accents basically everybody in the show speaks with an english accent and I guess it was essentially because they like they basically felt that that would be more immersive for the viewers. It makes sense. And though. you know, they're like, you know, we don't want to like pull you out of it by like having you try to parse like these funny accents like that, you know, as a, another layer of like processing in your brain and like and the people speaking to each other, you know, wouldn't have thought of each other as having funny accents. They're just talking to each other. So, you know, yeah, by 
by actively choosing to have all the characters speak in a British accent, like they they were trying to make it more immersive, which yeah. I thought was interesting and makes sense. Interesting. Well, uh, they clearly got it from Doctor Who. Indeed. Doctor Who and Star Trek. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> well, I guess we should tune in next time or our listeners should tune in next time in two weeks and find out just how good of a host Madame Guillotine is. (laughs) 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 All right, listeners, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hi, Kyle here. The doctor's watcher would like to thank circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com, or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. And then we were warned to leave, face arrest and execution. Friends warn us and friends denounce us. Mm. Seems the soldiers followed you. Who knew you were taking this road? Oh, indeed. It's difficult to have secrets these days.